Welcome to episode 102 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for April 16th, 2020. We're recording live from our studios in Spencerport, New York. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Surgical Information Systems, Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions, BHG Patient Lending, and Medicus IT. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website. This is Susan Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Joining me from our studio in Spenceport is John Gailey, recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. Also joining us um, remotely from Rochester, New York, Jenna Alvarez, Senior Nurse Consultant with AHS, Alex Borneman, Director of Operations with AHS, Judy D'Ambrosio, Director of Educational Services with AHS, and from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Lori Rodericks, Director of Clinical Service for AHS. From Atlanta, Georgia, Zach Kalaritis, Financial Consultant with AHS. From West Palm Beach, Florida, Ann Geyer, Chief Nursing Officer with SIS. From West Palm Beach, Florida. Oh. I, 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 sorry, Jim's not joining <laughs> he us. Didn't want to <laughs> I, <laughs> I got rid of it quickly. He there. jumped in because we, we can all control the. The yeah. thing at the same time, and he just Sorry sneaks in that. there and moves things around on me. Anyway, and actually, Jim everybody. isn't down there, and even he was joining us today. He's back in Rochester. So. Yes. Right now, uh, we're all very envious of Ann Geyer. Um, of course, she's being very gracious and not showing the outside. Because <laughs> no. we, we all have. We snow had a up little here. bit of rain today for the first time. We haven't had rain in a month. We had a little bit of rain. I was hoping it would be a soaker, but it wasn't. But it's eighty-something right. degrees. Oh. We've had snow. Yeah. The, the, uh, the I pup- know. I know. The puppy's enjoying licking the uh, the tops of the plants now. That's her new new thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're coming off of a very successful first day of uh, our uh, our uh, virtual conference. Uh, the uh, It's a New World Conference 2020, a, a conference for amateur surgery centers, virtual conference for amateur surgery centers. And, of course, we have the second day tomorrow, starting at eight o'clock. So I know uh, many of our listeners are already signed up, and we appreciate that. It is still not too late to sign up. We'll tell you more about that at the end here. But uh, definitely, if you go to our website at ASCPodcast.com while we're uh, talking here and sign up, uh, you'll still be able to get in live. And if you do sign up for uh, both days of the conference, you'll get a recording of Tuesday. Uh, and that is available now. I did upload that a couple hours ago. Um, so we. Um, uh, we've, it's been more than a week, believe it or not, since we've, uh, we've talked uh, live on a podcast here. So a number of things have happened, but in, in reality, things have kind of slowed down a little bit here. And I hope everybody is uh, taking advantage of uh, some, uh, you know, their educational opportunities, certainly those that we offer. There's many other organizations that are doing that um, also and, and uh, keeping a very close eye on uh, the ASC Association website. I'm going to have an announcement about that in a few uh, minutes. Actually, I'll do that right now. So ASCA 2020 uh, has transitioned into a virtual conference and ESCO, an expo. Uh, out of concern for the health and safety of all the attendees amid the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the ASCA 2020 conference and expo is transitioning to a virtual event. The 2020 virtual conference is scheduled for July 9th and 10th and will offer the same top quality education, networking, and resources as ASCA's in-person events, all from the safety and comfort of your home or office. And during the exciting virtual event, you can participate in live interactive breakout sessions led by industry experts, hear from inspiring featured speakers like Ann and myself, 
Um, watch recordings of other sessions presented during the conference. Explore the virtual expo hall where you can schedule one-on-one meetings with exhibitors and discover the latest technologies, products, and services. Uh, connect digitally with your peers to network, share ideas, and discuss best practices. That's going to be interesting. I'm kind of curious as to how they do that. And additional details, including an updated event uh, agenda, will be available soon. So I did talk to uh, the, the conference organizers. Uh, Laurie, have you talked to them yet? I know, Ann, you didn't get the call yet, but. No. No, no. Um, they, as not being a speaker, they I have, oh. like, the education committee on, on hold right yeah. now. Because so. uh, uh, Laurie moderates virtually all the sessions there, it seems. So. Whoop, she just froze on us. Um, but uh, I did talk to them today they uh, they were working on recording most of the sessions and then uh, we'll be there live to answer questions so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it but hopefully we'll all be back to normal sorry my internet just went in and out nope yeah you're still a little very echoey sounding a little tight right now there (laughs) very robotic sounding (laughs) I wonder if she's doing Uh, that on purpose (laughs) trying to get out of her session that's right (laughs) <laughs> it's like those people that pretend to be an answering machine, right? <laughs> I can't hear you. Well, hopefully, Lori will be back. Um, so, um, not a good transition, but I, I did know, want to, um, uh, uh, on a sad, sad note, uh, very, very dear friend of the industry and a very uh, dear friend of mine, Tom Salamone, uh, who was a life safety expert, life safety and uh, OSHA uh, expert, spoke quite a bit at uh, the New York State Association meetings and uh, was very much involved with uh, the FGI, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, not FGI, uh, NFPA guideline uh, uh, creation and mon- and monitoring. Um, and uh, a very, very dear man who uh, spent a lot of time uh, helping our industry uh, make sure that we were uh, we were always on top of things. Uh, Tom, Tom uh, after every conference, everybody would say that he was a great speaker, but they didn't like anything he had to tell them. Uh, yeah, I think they don't the like that bad news. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he passed away last week. Uh, we don't actually know uh, why. We, he wasn't in uh, the best of health, um, and uh, it, it, we're not sure why, what it is. I don't want to make any suppositions, no. but uh, uh, he will be sadly missed uh, by all of us in the industry, and uh, um, a, a big loss here. And uh, so our hearts with uh, with our hearts are with. Uh, Tom's family as they go through this uh, difficult time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, when Sue and I were talking about what we wanted to talk about um, today, uh, we thought let's, you know, we talk about so many of the, the difficult things that, that go on and uh, some of the challenges that we're facing here. And I thought that we would just reflect before we go into uh, some more detail on, on what, what is happening right now. Mm-hmm. On, uh, on, you know, some of the things that, that we've learned or that we've seen uh, post-COVID. So I, I asked uh, all of our, uh, our participants here just to kind of make some thoughts. And Sue, why don't you just kick it off since you, you, you wrote okay. a bunch of notes on this. Yeah, I was just thinking about how things, <clears throat> good and bad, but um, just how everything's going to be so different um, as we come out of this. I mean, I think some things will go back to normal, but so many of us, have, you know, we've been working from home. We've been using Zoom to connect with family and with our, you know, work uh, associates. And I, I have a feeling that's probably going to continue to some extent, which, 
you know, on the one hand, it's kind of sad because we won't we won't necessarily get together as much for yeah. things. But I think with family things, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to staying more closely in touch with relatives that are you know out of the area, and you know, so I think that that can be a good thing. Um, yeah, I I mean, both of our families, we have weekly. Uh, get-togethers with our mm. respective families where oh, we... several times some... a week. We well, yeah. <laughs> Mine only does it once a week. Sue's, Between uh... the grandkids, my mom, yeah. my sister and brother. And, um, and that's more than you really... I mean, you would talk to it's them individually, would... but, yeah. uh, but all of them together. Definitely didn't see them that often. Yeah. As often. Well, and John, most of yours is actually on this podcast. I, that's true. So <laughs> so we, we basically do it all day long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we, well, and I, I think... And we've become so much more self-sufficient. We've been talking about this, how... Yeah. You know, we're cooking more. We're spending more time doing things like playing board games, um, obviously checking up on our family, playing with our puppy. That's right. I started doing some yard work. So it's like what Ann talked about the other day is, you know, doing some things that, you know, are taking care of ourselves, like getting outside a little bit more. Um, you know, just I think some of that, again, we're yeah. all going to go back to restaurants and everything, but maybe we'll keep doing some more um, home cooking and you know, just start, I think everybody's life is still going to change. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Well, I, we're working our way through our freezer. You go to the grocery store and you come home with fresh meat and your freezer's full of meat. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now we're, we're working our way through it. The problem is it tends to be the same food all the time. Yeah. And now you have to go look and find new recipes to cook. Yeah. And, and our newspaper, if you are a subscriber... Um, has sent out or published a virtual um, cookbook of desserts of all things. Oh, you do. Of course, I printed all, all 32 pages of them. But um, wow. no, I mean, it's just, and, and for us, it's year-round growing here for gardening yeah. and all, yeah. but a lot of the garden centers are closed. Yeah. And then in Michigan, part of the protest that they're doing in Lansing has to do that you can't buy seed, you can't buy grass, you I mean grass to sod grass, not the yeah. but you can buy marijuana. Right. You can't <laughs> buy seeds to plant a garden. And people are having a fit. I mean yeah. it's yeah. It, rightfully you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did yeah, a, like, they're, they're home and they want to plant their garden and yeah. they can't. I know. I, I did make a list, like you talked about the other day, of things to get done during this time. So I was actually just before this out there doing a little bit of cleaning in the garage and <laughs> oh, no. things. But I was thinking about, um, there's this planter that I've had forever. I haven't put it together that has space for a bunch of different herbs. But I was wondering if I would be able to get the plants to put into it. So mm-hmm. I'll have to look into that. So People the- are going online, too, to get their plants. Because yeah. if you oh. can't get them, Wildflower Farms is a farm out of... Um, Georgia, but if you go online, you can order a lot of them and ship okay. for your planting zone. There you and, go. But, you know, I love walking through nurseries. I just I love doing that. And now you can't do it. Yeah. I know. So my other thought was... And that... we've got... Go ahead. You go ahead. Get, sorry, you can get some from, like, Home Depot, um, especially seeds. I was wondering and if they were still open. Not or... to mention, we also, we have a lot of seeds. Okay. I, I've okay. planted too many herbs. Oh, <laughs> well, I might just, you can leave them on your doorstep. I'll there you go. pop over and get <laughs> Okay, now this is an aside. Do you all know what sugar bomb cherry tomatoes are? Absolutely. The ones They're from... the sweetest, they yes. are the sweetest little cherry tomatoes. So we can't get them all the time. I mean, I'd yeah. eat them for dessert. But, so I said to Carl one day, why don't we plant some? He said, they'll mm-hmm. never grow. I said, just Stick them in some good soil. They they grew, oh, but they're not wow. as sweet when you get what what grows wasn't as sweet. Yeah. But we at least had little. And our farmers here are having to throw food 
into cow pastures to let the, the animals eat tons of tomatoes and melons because the restaurants are closed. Yeah. Yeah, so where they were selling to all the restaurants, yeah. now they don't have buyers. Yeah. And all this food's having to be thrown out. I saw that. I wondered why they couldn't donate it all to like Food Link or something. Because yeah, a lot of the local farmers they're trying are to, to donate. Yeah, they're trying to donate, yeah. but then they got. How are you going to do it? Who's going to pick it up? And yeah. how much social yeah. contact do you need? Truckloads of cabbage and yeah. But my other and I guess and I. Go ahead. Sorry, Go ahead. we're having some problems with the feet here. Uh, and your uh, video feed is lost, frozen. I just. And I think we lost Laura. Yep, I just lost the link. Yeah. That's interesting. Let me uh, me see. It says it's connecting. And we can at least still hear you. Yeah. I've been having horrible problems. Okay, so we can hear you at least, Laura. We just can't see you. Well, let me, I don't oh. think it's on my side, but uh, keep going while I uh, try okay. to adjust So I was wondering, everybody's thoughts on how this is going to affect ASCs. And, I, you know, my thoughts were it, it may be, I don't want to say helpful because none of us want wanted to have to go through this, but, you know, because they're a more personal, smaller setting, I think as people, you know, miss that personal connection, that could be a helpful thing. And also just the whole infection, you know, they're not going to be exposed to so many people. Um, you know, we're, we know we have good infection control in the ASCs. Um, and, you know, you don't have the seriously ill patients. Most people that go there are at least um, somewhat healthy. So I think it, you know, it, it may be a good thing. There you are, Ann. Yeah, you may yeah. be a bit more popular as we come back online. Is everybody? Yeah, we're yeah. back online. Okay, good. I just prioritize. I don't. It might be that little thing. I right. think I a lot, think of, a lot of the comments. Whoops, here goes my. Just a minute. A minute. Now, now I don't. I don't know why we're getting feedback. Because your computer is not muted. It is. It is so. We're getting you through the computer as well. No, it, no, it, it shows, it shows it. muted. All right. All right. Let me, let me hang up. Hang up. Okay. okay. Try again. <laughs> Sorry, Ann. <laughs> All right. Am I only on the computer oh. now? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah, we can hear you. Yep. Yeah. But I fine. can't hear you. Oh, no. Oh. Sorry. Because <laughs> you're muted, probably. Yeah, yeah. I can't okay. turn up anymore. Can you hear me now? Yep. 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 Can you hear us? Oh, jeez. <laughs> What's going on today? There are gremlins. I know. I know. I think so. <laughs> I, I call so. it chipmunks. Uh, well, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of internet use. Yeah, yeah definitely. The Even with things like Netflix and, uh, you know, all the everybody's watching television because they're home. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue was talking about, you know, the, the positive impacts on, on the, you know, one thing I was thinking about too, Sue, is that, you, you know, we spend a lot of time going to board meetings mm-hmm. um, and you got to wonder, you know, these live board meetings that we have that are often in the evening after the doctors are all done, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know why I didn't think about this now. Do we really all have to be in the same room at the same time? You know, I think the, the Zoom uh, sessions, we just lost Lori again, and then she's back. Um, but it, it just seems to me like uh, there's really no reason why we yeah. can't be doing this from home. We'll probably make mm-hmm. these meetings half the time. Yeah, um, cutting out the travel time. People going the in from time. there, you know, and they can be a bit more relaxed and really focused rather right. than thinking of all the other We're also going to save a lot of paper because we can throw things on the screen. You know, mm-hmm. we can put the agenda up there, show the... Uh, yeah. the um, the items. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually thinking that it could be, um, more, um, more useful time. I, I mean, 
you can't beat personal interaction, but when you're looking at somebody, as we all are looking at each other right now, it's a lot easier to have a conversation uh, when you see each other's faces than when you, uh, you're, you know, just doing it by a conference call, which I've never liked. So I, I think Zoom is, or, well, we probably should be mentioning brand names, but let's face it, this is online. <laughs> this, is, this is what we're all using right now. Yep. Um, and for those of you out there in the real world uh, listening to us, that's how we connect each other to um to our, uh, our live feeds, both to YouTube and to Podbean. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I do encourage everybody to start thinking about how they might want to, uh, um, you know, transition their board meetings. I don't know about quality improvement. I think that's one of those things that tends to be, you know, where you bring a bunch of clinicians together and you're not going to want them to be working overtime, you know, uh, mm-hmm. off, off site. But yeah. definitely for QI That's mentioned there are some privacy concerns. That's with, correct. Yeah. Or, with the different platforms. That mm-hmm. voice from nowhere is Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and just to bring up some good news, I think all of us have noticed how much people have really been stepping up to help each other. Yeah. You hear when they put out calls for um, masks, and I know they can't make them for healthcare providers, but um, just for regular people or for people that are in hospice, I saw a call the other day. Um, you know, people are just sewing them at home. They were... We saw something where people are using their home 3D printers yeah. to print face shields for people. So um, I told you that that 3D printer would come in handy yeah. someday. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think that you... I think <laughs> I there's still a whole lot now. of little figures being printed. But <laughs> <laughs> little game pieces. <laughs> and people, you know, standing outside and applauding for healthcare workers yeah. and, you know... Um, yeah, and the schools, you know, when the teachers drive by, their students, uh, you know, these little parades, those are, yep. those are heartwarming. Yeah, yeah, and of course... Like, I think we've mentioned this a couple times, but I was so impressed by how a lot of ASCs offered to help out with the medication when one of the local hospitals was yeah. running low. So I think you never know if it's going to bring out the best in people or not, but I think, you know, it, it has in many ways. Uh, Lori just sent us a, uh, a chat message saying she's running all over the house to get a better connection. I wonder, <laughs> did you see her going? I know. It was sort of making me dizzy. We were like going on a little ride with her. Oh, well. Uh, I hope this okay, doesn't thanks, happen tomorrow Lori. during your presentation. I so. know. This, usually we don't have an issue with her connection. I'm sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. We can hear you fine, can't, though. You can't I guess really that's important. It. Anybody have anything else to kind of talk about with uh, the good news? Any any good stories out there that we haven't talked about? Yeah, it's been great for my weight. <laughs> <laughs> Carl told me I was starting to look anorexic. <laughs> he really did last night. He said, you need to qu- cut it out. Exercise all the time. I mean, if I have a break, I exercise. It. Yeah. Wow. You know, just to keep from getting bored and also to, you know, so that it gives me my, that burst of energy, but he wasn't too happy with that. <laughs> I think I kind of go the opposite way. Yeah. We're I, the opposite. <laughs> in this house. It, I like to eat so, when I'm bored. Not good. So we, we really stocked up on some food, but we realized that we also eat the food faster. When there's- <laughs> oh no. Like, there's so much look food. Who just, look who just joined Aww, me. There we go. Look at those big eyes. I know. Again. I, th- I think Tinker knows when her friends are on. <laughs> Zoom. How Don't you doing you tinks? Tinker? Don't you tinks. Oh, <laughs> All right, that's your dog dose for the day. There you everybody. go. <laughs> I was thinking the other day we, you know, we went to Grubhub. We we uh, used to use Grubhub an awful lot, and we uh, we went. Uh, what was it? Good Friday. We uh, we ordered out, and it was funny because I kind of said, um, I said to Sue afterwards, I, 
I like the way I cooked the steak better than the steak that I bought. <laughs> and I, you know, and I said that was really kind of a waste of money because I, I felt like I could have done a better job and it would have been warmer and things like that. So my chicken French was really good. That's though. true. Yeah, that's hard to make at home. Yeah. yeah. What is that soup? The chicken French I ordered. Sorry, I was way back from the thing. Oh. That was really really good. No, well, my, Carl's an excellent cook. And he doesn't use recipes. He'll start with the recipe, but he can't, he, his body doesn't, or his mind doesn't let him stick to the <laughs> recipe. And he's really, he is really a good cook. So. Lucky you. Yeah, that's my problem too. I'm like, uh, are you sure the recipe's right? <laughs> Maybe we tweak it just a little bit. That's Alex, nice. I always tell Carl, cook the recipe first, the way the recipe is written. Mm. Then so the then next you know. time you can tweak it. But. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love yeah, my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Tinker likes being on the air here. She does. <laughs> Say hi. Say hi, Tinker. <laughs> Meanwhile, Saxon's outside. So when I let him out, it was a blizzard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Currently, like it, it's got to be like 50 out and it's completely sunny. There's no yeah. snow anywhere on the ground. Oh, <laughs> Welcome what to Rochester. <laughs> Rochester. Okay, well, I guess we better start talking about business here. So, okay. uh, and have we talked about how people can ask questions? Oh, yeah, go ahead. That? Yeah, I didn't. Sorry. Yeah, I um, so, if people have questions throughout, um, you can use the Podbean app, type it into chat. Um, you can email us at comments at ascpodcast.com or you can do it in the YouTube comments. Whichever is easiest. For and, you, uh, you know, we, we don't have a lot of material today. We just want to kind of get you caught up. So, uh, any questions out there, feel free to ask them. You've got a panel of, uh, of the best here uh, to, uh, well, maybe not Lori, but. <laughs> I, I wasn't quite I, sure. I was I testing know. to see if she heard me. <laughs> if she can't hear you, then that, that puts a different spin on it. But generally, it's listening. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love you, Lori. <laughs> So, uh, Alex, we're going to start with you and uh, the, the, follow the bouncing ball with the 1135. Yeah, so so we heard from Ashy a few, I think it was last early last week, um, they were starting to recommend that healthcare facilities um, contact or request a waiver from their regional uh, office, their CMS regional office. Uh, well, and I, I guess we need to put that a little bit in, per, in yep. perspective because the, uh, the the waivers that have been uh, requested by the states and have been granted by the government have not been specific to ASCs and as a result of that. Or even hospitals um, as far as whether or not they should continue um, certain life safety, you know, their life safety inspections. Yeah. Good point. Um, and testing inspections. That includes biomedical um, really, it was only the renal dialysis uh, centers that they had talked about. Right, thank um, you. So, so the ASHI um, waiver that they put together was very specific to Joint Commission in the hospitals. Um, it actually was talking mostly about um, the conditions uh, of participation, which is the hospital codes, versus the conditions for participation. Or for, coverage, thank you, um, which are for the ASCs. So um, today we, we put together a, um, a form for, and I'm, I'm sure we're gonna put that online um, for you guys, the ASCs out there to request um, an 1135 waiver from CMS. If you are no longer doing like certain 
um, levels of life safety uh, maintenance. However, we still think that it's in your best interest and in the best interest of your, your facilities to and your patients to continue with those uh, maintenance items that you can during this time. Um, you know, that there's a lot of concern about having a staffing and um, even the contractors to do the testing and maintenance. So that, that would be the reasoning behind maybe waiving some of those. But um, if you find yourselves in that situation where you're unable to continue that, um, you should put in an 1135 waiver request. Um, and that that's actually from communication with Triple HC as well. Um, so um, a couple people who have submitted them after the ASHI thing went out and heard back all got denied. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. You haven't been reading your emails today. I, <laughs> it's true. I've been on phone the whole time. The <laughs> well, that is interesting. So uh, this is. Uh, okay. uh, We've heard from about two centers that have both reported that the requests were denied. Were okay. any? Does anybody know? And does anybody on our uh, our feed? Uh, so for those, we were not recommending that you submit an eleven thirty five until today. Um, right. so, um, so that's news, Jenna. I, I, um, and, but we, so we don't know of anybody that's actually had one accepted, right? Not that I know of. Okay. And we'll watch in the, the chat here to see if anybody says yes. Well, that is interesting. So I guess we, we need yeah, to I mean, think about I, that. Yeah. I would continue. Um, I, I would customize our form and tell CMS and at least you're putting in the effort and showing right, that right. you've exactly. made the effort to do the testing. You weren't able to do the testing. You put in the effort to get a waiver. And to be quite honest, we weren't actually expecting anyone to get a response to these waivers. Yeah, let alone a <laughs> negative. So that one. that is actually surprising that they've gone and reviewed them already. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I uh, I'm going to have to go off uh, off script here. Um, at this point, um, we would recommend perhaps that you still file the, the 1135 if you're not able to meet all those requirements, but we highly, highly recommend that you do everything in your power to uh, continue um, you know, meeting the, the, the requirements for life safety uh, inspections, uh, uh, testing, et cetera. And that includes fire drills again, right. fire drills. Um, and again, if you're not on site for the current <laughs> quarter, you're still going to want to do a fire drill as best you can. Um, right. We've heard talk of possibly doing remote fire drills, looking at the floor plans. Again, that's not going to meet the requirements, obviously, but that will show an effort. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that's better like than Like a nothing. tabletop uh, fire drill. And definitely you can do the f tabletop uh, disaster drills, which are still required, of course, under the, under the code and on most accreditation organizations. And again, we're, we're in the middle of one of a, an actual event that you can use as your disaster drill for um, either the first quarter or the second quarter. Um, it, we probably would recommend you use it as the first quarter because that's when it started. But um. Alex, um, we have a question. She, uh, Kate is wondering, how would you recommend doing a fire drill if you have no staff? 
Actually, I think it was more of a, how would you do a fire drill if you don't have any staff? I was trying to <laughs> not know. add the sarcastic twist. But since I'm the sarcastic <laughs> one here, I kind of agree. But <laughs> Well, if you have no staff, then you can do it with all the staff that you have. Yeah. That's just you. Um, you run around screaming. You can conduct your fire drill with yourself. I mean... <laughs> We have one center that there's only two people that uh, work there every day of the week, and you know doctors. And when a doctor comes in, you know, uh, you know, I mean, they're they're literally uh, only open three or four days a month, I think it is. So uh, you know, periodically they have to have a fire drill among themselves. So. Mm-hmm. so. The other yeah. thing is, when you have your staff back, absolutely, I, I would think that it would be better to do two fire drills in one quarter. With actual staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But don't count it towards the four. Right. Right. In other words, right. don't skip a quarter later on as a result but of But you this. have a good explanation yeah. of why. Yeah. yeah. You right. know. I think then, say, speaking of surveyors. We won't we'll be there. seeing patients the first day, too. So that could be something you put in your plan. They don't do take it. all that long. You could do your fire drill on the old days when you're bringing everybody back yeah. as a top priority. That's a good segue into, though I'm sure there's still some more questions about this, but it's a good segue into the um, uh, the point that we're working on a, a startup um, a checklist. Um, I've seen the first draft of it, which is excellent. Thank you for my team. And uh, I know, Lori, uh, you kind of started the ball rolling on that, and we got a lot of input from um, from Life Safety, from the nursing staff, you know, nursing. Judy. Uh, Judy. It was, it's an incredible effort. Uh, we're not ready to roll it out yet, though, right? I, I think we're still working on. I think on it's it. going to be Monday that we Monday. roll it out. Okay. So that'll be posted on the website. Alex, the 1135 waiver, did we push that out this morning as part of the? We did. It was attached. It was. Um, oh, it was yep. attached to the email? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Which so, means if you go to the web, so if you're an AHS client or on our client list, you would have gotten it, but uh, the website doesn't have it. So uh, remind me and we'll uh, we'll put a link up there uh, later on. And that's a form that you can download. We really recommend that you use that form as opposed to the one that ASHI has uh, published because the one for ASHI is actually for hospitals. Maybe that's why it got rejected. Well, I, you know, Lori, I was actually thinking that is that if they didn't modify that substantially, um, how could you approve it? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good question. Um, and actually, uh, Jenna, if you can reach out to uh, the client and get a copy of what they submitted, that might help us understand. Um, uh, maybe we can figure out from there what happened. Yeah. And I do have another question about fire drills. So if, if you have staff that's working from home can you do it as an uh, like a zoom or something tabletop would that count at all in this situation where you could just talk through what would happen if we went this way and this was on fire or that kind of thing in this situation it wouldn't normally be counted i'm sure but as a surveyor i would count i would uh, accept that you know if it's written up to i would too yeah okay. There's, there you go three it's, you're making a good faith effort to do the best you can do under really hard situations and it, it shows your intent even though you couldn't be together and if you really document it well and have a good discussion in there um and take advantage when i do uh, a tabletop uh, disaster drills i have a fun with it and it's sometimes you know it'll be a 30 minute drill as we're walking through a lot of different scenarios i would do the same thing you got a little bit of time here take advantage of it and walk people through this they'll be better trained i, I agree i agree thoroughly mm-hmm. that's it for the questions 
Yeah, that was kind of me. Just oh. it was stupid. I didn't want to <laughs> no, claim no, it, it in good. case you were like, no, that wouldn't work. <laughs> no, that's a good question. I, I think it's an excellent question. Um, okay. Hang on. Sorry. My thing is not scrolling. We did get... Uh, uh, so our dear friend, uh, George Scores, who is a pharmacy consultant here in the state of New York, um, uh, sent us an email. Uh, who wants to talk about this that's probably better able to talk about this? I'm, I'm thinking of Jenna, who's not on the screen. <laughs> She's Surprise. ignoring me. Um, <laughs> he had reached out to... Um, to DS, or DSCSA um, regarding making allowances for emergency transfers of medication um, during uh, issues with drug supply related to COVID-19. And a little bit of perspective here. We know that there's been quite a bit of requests, uh, at least in New York, and I'm assuming this is happening elsewhere, where hospitals are saying or uh, uh, other healthcare organizations are running out of drugs that happened in um, Yonkers, for example. And uh, the, the state has been facilitating that or helping in that. And, but the problem, of course, are there, there are legal problems with transferring especially scheduled drugs uh, between uh, systems. And up until now, it had been a voluntary thing. So this was addressing the issue, what would happen if it's no longer voluntary? I'm sorry, Jenna, to interrupt. Well, so he got a response. Honestly, it wasn't that helpful, but um, basically saying that they're aware of the drug supply issues uh, and that they recognize that hospitals and medical facilities are preparing and actively treating for this, uh, the surge of patients um, and that they're actively working to provide more clarity and guidance on the scope of regulatory relief um, for you know medical healthcare facilities and other supply chain stakeholders. So it kind of sounds like they're making the way they're working on making the way for mm -hmm. this right. to happen. Um, and again, if you had, um, well, at least in New York, it, the people who have asked for drugs have gone through the state. And I think it's best probably to let the um, Department of Health or someone from the state be the one to um, handle the, the, the transfer. Yeah. Transfer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would recommend well, direct. You yeah. Direct the trans. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You might want to uh, get the DEA involved for your state or whatever, um, or wherever it is that you send your um, two 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 forms. Yeah, you'd be very careful with any any time that you're moving drugs around. Yeah, especially controlled ones. Yeah, uh, we do have a uh, a link on our website. To, uh, it's under today's uh, daily uh, update, client update. If you want to go to our website at ASCPodcast.com, and uh, you can see the actual link. There's two there, Jen. What's the second one? Oh, and then there's also a link to the updates. So it's not a bad idea to go to the FDA website every once in a while and uh, and just see what uh, where the updates are. That's how we got informed about it. And again, thanks to our friend uh, George Scoris. Uh, out there, friend of all of ours in the in the industry here. The um, the governor in New York, and let me get this right: New York, California, Connecticut, Maryland, and Pennsylvania are now mandating or expected to mandate in the next few days the wearing of masks in public by all citizens. Uh, AS, so Jenna brought up earlier today um, how 
what do we do in the situation that an employee that a patient walks into the center not wearing a mask? Because technically, I think the rule is you have to send them home, right? Yeah, that was the rule in California, Lori said. Okay. Yeah, I, I and I looked at Pennsylvania a little closer uh, before this, and it sounds like they're really um, upholding it for stores. Okay. So. And I know, like, at the say that again, Lori. Uh, in Pennsylvania, going into a store, you have to have a mask on. Okay. If you don't have a mask on, then the um, staff in the store are supposed to direct you to leave. And I think we need when we say mask in this case, I believe we're actually referring to not necessarily a um, uh, any, any face covering. Right, face covering. covering. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I know at the local hospitals, they started setting up um, play, like little stations outside of the hospitals that they check everyone for symptoms, but then they also now are handing out masks if you don't have one already. To go in? To, the to go in, yep. And then, you know, patients, vendors, any, anyone coming into the center has to wear a mask or to, to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's something that um, depending on what state you're in, where you're listening from, uh, what ends up being mandated by your um, the governor mm -hmm. uh, as to how you're supposed to proceed. And the hardest thing is where many of the ASCs have been closed for on a shorter schedule, they may not have as many um, supplies as, as the hospitals. And the hospitals are short. Um, the ASCs would technically be shorter. Um, and to be handing out masks to patients coming in is going to be um, detrimental to your ability to stay open for any length of time. So that, that's something to so consider. Yeah, it's probably something that you're gonna to wanna to include in your pre-op instructions is instructing them to wear a their mask. own mask yeah, good point. to the center. Yeah, very good point. We'll add that to our list, I'm sure. And, and then the other thing is when they do come into your center with their mask on, obviously you wanna, hopefully they're wearing it appropriately, um, but when they come into the clinical area, um, as a patient, then you're going to have to make a decision based on the type of procedures you're doing as to whether or not they're going to maintain that same mask on. Uh, a lot of um, MAC patients or conscious sedation, not heavily um, medicated that have their own airways, you might be able to just to uh, put your oxygen up underneath their existing yeah. mask so that you're not coming in contact with their contaminated um, inside of the mask. If you are doing general cases, especially now, you know, a lot of the places are doing uh, broken bones, et cetera. So if you're putting those patients off to sleep, then you know, be very careful when you remove the mask. I would recommend that someone remove it, you know, obviously with gloves on, put it into a, a baggie or whatnot for that patient if it's theirs from home. Um, remove your own glove, remove the gloves that you just used. Uh, and then you know, do your hand hygiene. And at the end of the procedure, you would be putting another mask on when the patient is alert enough to be able to breathe on their own. You wouldn't put the mask on them if they're needing assistance with their ventilation. So it's something that you'd have to consider. Uh, it would be a, an opportunity for training. Um, and you may wanna have one designated person do it, or you may wanna have that performed by uh, your anesthesia staff, but 
I, you know, go go with whoever's going to do it the, the the best possible way in an infection control manner. And not every provider is as attuned to proper hand hygiene. <laughs> La- <that> pl- yeah, Lorian <laughs> and. I am so tired of talking about N95 masks, but uh, we haven't brought it up like in the last couple of days on the podcast. Can somebody else talk about the whole issue of surgical site infections, surgical suites, and the N95 mask? Well, the N95 mask is um, pretty much protecting the wearer from uh, taking in the, um, it's such a good particulate filter. So an N95 mask can be worn in the operating room. Um, however, um, you have to remember that you, when you're in an operating room, you are now exposing everything to that particular patient, that particular patient's um, site of surgery. So when you leave an operating room, you are technically supposed to take off all of your contaminated garb your, your mm-hmm. masks, your gloves, your gowns, whatever. So in that respect, you're going to have to remove your N95 mask because if you're going on to take care of another patient in the OR, in an open, sterile environment, you can't, you should not go in there with a contaminated mask. Right. Um, if you're in the patient care area, you can keep that mask on all day long because it's not a sterile environment. But once you go into a sterile environment, you have to treat each procedure separately per patient. So a patient can have 12 procedures, but if it's the the one into the OR and out of the OR, then you have to remove things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I I have literally spent most of the day repeating that same conversation. I can't believe I didn't put it into the script for today. Uh, but thank you. That's so, good because well I'm running around the house. I don't have the script. <laughs> <laughs> you just lost it again. <laughs> and do you have anything? I know you and I actually were uh, CC'd on a bunch of those emails on uh, yeah, the N95. asking about that. And yeah. I think the the big question is there was a comment on the virtual um, during the virtual conference about using the KN95, KN, yeah. uh, whatever mask it was. But it's not approved by the FDA, so you have to be really careful where you use it. It oh, doesn't yeah. mean you can't use it. And John, you did a great job of replying to that. But there's confusion out there, yeah. and and they don't have how they the people that are being bombarded with information. It's information overload. Yeah, and it gets to the point that um, I think it was um, Alcee Fitzgerald's F. Uh, who Elsie Sidney Fitzgerald has said one time is the information that we're getting off the internet. It's like drinking water from a fire. Yeah. And I think that's what we're living through right now. It's just everywhere you turn around, you're, you're hit with information and some of it's conflicting. Yeah. And people are overwhelmed. And when I talked about this on Tuesday, at some point you're just saying, I give up. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'm not researching this. Somebody in authority tell me what to do. And I think we're all, we're the asshole we're at. Um, I was, I was on a call yesterday with the uh, Massachusetts uh, ASC association and I was pretty much just listening into them. And one of the um, participants said she was um, took part in a webinar and there was a um, infection preventionist speaking 
um, from a different state and saying uh, her interpretation of what was said um, was that everyone has to wear an N95 mask. And so they were, it was going like hotcakes through the, the mass association stuff. And, yeah. the, you know, whether that's what the um, professional said or if that's what the um, participant heard, heard. But yeah. it's hard to say. But, you know, if you don't know, go on the reputable sites, go on the CDC, go on the mm-hmm. FDA. They're, the, they're going to help direct you at the most possible way as opposed to reading it from uh, you know no offense the new york times or the boston globe or you know you know miami herald yeah um type of things because uh well, one gonna- of my tasks every day Lori, for for my boss emmy weber is to research to, it's called an industry update and i research as many of the websites the companies the software companies to see what they're doing i look at aska connect i look at aska focus i look at everything that i can but i've actually expanded that list and anytime there's an update i look every day to see what date it is so if the update says april 16th then that's a new release and then i pass right. a condensed version to emmy and she reports it to the c suite and because they're overwhelmed there's just only so much you can take in And so somebody's having to filter it, but it's got to be from a reputable site. If it's just, you know, something I like, I I use information from your daily briefings, John, because I know you all have researched it. Mm -hmm. I I did want to point something out. The, the KN95 mask is FDA approved, but that's somewhat irrelevant. Um, because first of all, the FDA also stated in the same thing, you need to make sure that you uh, verify the authenticity of the mask, because apparently there's a lot of, uh, even N95 masks, there's a lot of um, fake ones out there, and that there's a lot of inconsistency even among the KN95 masks. Uh, but I think the big takeaway here is, remember, this is a surgical environment, it's a sterile environment, and while we might be protecting people against uh, the virus itself, we also have to protect against uh, cross-contamination. Um, yeah. and surgical site yeah. infection. So, and those, those rules haven't changed. And that's the argument we kind of got into yesterday with a vendor actually, uh, who, who stated that, uh, you know, that the N95 mask is so much more superior than to a surgical mask. And again, our point was, that's not the relevant point here. Uh, the relevant point is that we cannot compromise on our surgical, um, uh, right. standards that we have set. So enough said, I don't want to talk about it again, but I think I will probably <laughs> have to. We need to put this one to bed. Yeah, we do. I don't know how many it, more it, it'll never ways go to we bed. can say it. <laughs> uh, any question? We did have um, we did have one question back there. She uh, oh, it's a comment. No, she was just saying that that during the call um, in New York today that they said that they will be enforcing the um, wearing of the mask in public. I, I did catch part of that. The uh, the, the governor did mm-hmm. state that he's not yeah. going to be locking people in jail for not wearing it, mm-hmm. but it would be similar to, what do they call it, a, like jaywalking type. Uh, yeah, um, and it was either him or, or the more local person was reiterating that it can be any type of, you know, yeah. if you don't have a mask, put a bandana around, put a piece of cloth. You know, they, they don't want people to be stuck not being able to do anything if they don't, if they can't right. afford to buy a mask. So did you, yeah. you know, like, like here today when I exercised, I passed with a lot of bicyclers. I never mm-hmm. used to see these people on a bicycle mm-hmm. and I, I, a lot of walkers. I wasn't within 30 feet of them. Nobody had a mask on. Yeah. If they stop and ask us, I mean, we're not talking to each other. Yeah. 
it's there's some common sense that has to be used in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know yeah. they had said that if even if you're going out walking someplace, say you're going to a park, just have one with you in case you find yes. all of a sudden you're uh, on a yeah. narrow path. You know. That's cause... why I have to make mine tonight. I got to yeah. make two. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to go buy some once the governor made the orders, but then you're... Well, good luck. You can't find them. Yeah. You can't even find well, bandanas, Sue... John. I know. I have Etsy, is my... oh, Etsy is your new friend right now. <laughs> yeah, no, well, my Sue sister actually... Well, my I found yeah. some old masks that I'd had stuck away here forever, but my sister made some out of pillowcases, and yeah. she mailed a couple to us and a couple... Out of what? Pillowcases, which actually... Oh, I told you the other day I was thinking about doing that, Mm -hmm. and I told you before the call, my bandanas came. (laughs) So that's going to be my new mask when I get it made. Well, I got four of them. Don't disrespect that bandana. (laughs) (laughs) No. As long as we don't have to put up with And I'm patriotic. That's why I was glad my flag bandanas came in. (laughs) As long as we don't have to put up with any of those patriots uh, bandanas, you know, those... (laughs) Uh, okay that's all right well careful what you wish for maybe i'll wear it tomorrow no there we go (laughs) nobody cares about hockey anyways (laughs) oh stop it old captain saber (laughs) um i uh, i did want to kind of give you a heads up on some of the things that are going on first of all um uh, we do have the new world conference 2020 second day uh there is still time to register believe it or not we still are getting people registering uh, if you do register for uh, both days, even though the first day is already done, you'll get uh, access uh, almost instant, as soon as I can, uh, to a recording of the first day. That's available now online. Um, and you can uh, join us live tomorrow. And I think everybody that uh, that uh, participated in it knows how much fun we had yesterday or on Tuesday when we did this. So uh, please. We're uh, starting at 8 o'clock again, John? Yep, 8 o'clock. Though speakers have to be on about 7.30, so. Um, you know, many centers are, are either not in operation at the present time or have very limited schedules. So, you know, that's one of the things we're trying to do is provide some opportunities for continuing education for managers and employees. And uh, that, that's when we announced this uh, podcast or this, uh, this virtual conference. It's a two-day uh, online virtual conference. It's both fun and informative. We've got great speakers, uh, uh, important topics, entertaining discussions, and periodic visits by a 10-week-old puppy to ensure that... Uh, we make the conference. It's got to be very... eleven by now. It is eleven. I actually it said eight in the script here. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you are a retainer client of uh, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, you will get a full rebate for up to five attendees on your June 2020 retainer bill. Um, uh, and so, just a quick run through of the agenda for for uh, tomorrow. We're going to have some contract issues in an ASC setting, with a focus on lessons that we've learned from COVID nineteen. Uh, current, uh, that's going to be put on by Bruce Smith, uh, from Syracuse, uh, current issues in pharmacy by Victor Elds. Uh, he's a, a pharmacy D, uh, president of Octarius RX. He's a pharmacy consultant out of, uh, New England, right? Is it largely Massachusetts though? Okay. I believe so. Good friend of, uh, Lori's, uh, Disaster response uh, process. That's going to be Alex Borneman and uh, Jim Masters, both life safety consultants with uh, AHS. They're going to be talking about all the lessons that we learned with a case study. They've, I'm actually uh, kind of embarrassed because I think they have this interactive session. They've got you know uh, pictures. Apparently, I'm, I'm impressed. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Hopefully, the technology will hold up. Uh, then our fourth session is uh, by uh, uh, by myself on uh, governing body oversight and responsibilities of administrator in that regard. 
Um, uh, session five is FLSA and, and personnel issues put on by Laura Spring. She's a lawyer out of uh, Syracuse also. Um, and then Lori's going to do a session on infection control, a heightened sense of awareness coming back from COVID-19. Uh, that will be the one session that uh, of the two-day conference that will have AP- IPCH credits also. Um, and then the, we're going to end uh, at uh, 3.15. On, we're going to end with a session starting at 3.15 tomorrow called The New World After the Crisis, a Leadership Opportunity. It's a panel discussion with all the speakers that we have for the day. It's going to be a very enlightening conversation about where are we going from here and what does it mean for leadership? What type of leadership skills are you going to need in the future? How are leaders going to um, um, set themselves apart? So uh, I'm very excited for this uh, for this event, and I'm sure everybody will, will have a lot of fun. Uh, I do want to say, too, that uh, Christina Benton and I, our dear friend Christina, is a um, is probably the nation's leading expert on coding in an ambulatory surgery setting. She, uh, and, and she does a lot of billing uh, work also. Uh, she's a primary speaker, actually, with ASCA in, in many regards in, in this uh, topic. She and I have been... <laughs> For four years, we've been putting together a conference, and uh, what was it? Two days ago, I emailed her and said, "Let's let's forget about trying to do something in person because right now we can't predict what that's going to how that would happen because we were targeting the the spring of 2021 to do this conference. So we both agree that we're going to do uh, a uh, online or a virtual conference, just like we did with uh, you know Lori's infection control conference and with uh, this two day. Uh, it's a New World Conference. We're going to do that. It's actually going to be a three-day conference, we believe. Uh, we're not sure when, so stay tuned, but it's uh, very exciting. So the, the purpose of this is for our business office managers, our billing people, our coding people, um, you know, financial, basically a financial focus here, and uh, especially for people that uh, are CAST certified. This will be a good way to get a lot of, um, of uh, hours in, and if you're a nurse that doesn't understand anything about uh, finance, which is unfortunately very common, uh, it's a good course to, to take, especially if you're uh, thinking about taking the CASC uh, exam. This might be a good way to uh, to learn. Um, you know, one thing that we know is that uh, because the uh, ASCA 2020 was canceled, unfortunately, so is the uh, um, uh, the CASC review course. So uh, this particular session might be a good way to pick up at least the financial section of what we taught, or what I taught during the, uh, the CASC review course. So uh, there'll be other options available, too, I'm sure. But... Uh, uh, definitely want you to think about uh, keeping an eye on on all the conferences that we're doing. We're having so much fun doing them, and uh, let's try to get all this education in because as soon as we open up again, I, I, I really believe we are going to be busy. I hope nobody's planning on a vacation uh, over the summer or fall of uh, 2020. Anybody have any last thoughts about that? Are we going to be taking vacations, anybody? I was supposed to be in the Galapagos, remember? That's right. Oh, my Lord. And then yesterday, the C- or during the conference Tuesday, I got a, a note that the CDC was, um, clo- you know, put out a recommendation, no cruises for the next 100 days, which yeah. knocks that trip out. I forgot. You've been planning that for years. I think we started talking about two years. Two years. Yeah. yeah. And it's all paid for. Oh, man. Now, are you getting a refund on that? I haven't worked on that yet. Haven't yeah. had time. Unfortunately, a lot of those insurance policies do not cover acts of God, which I guess yeah. a pandemic. Well, this is with National Geographic and Lindblad. Those of you on the call that know me know I travel a lot yeah. with them. And Sven Lindblad had sent out a note to everybody who was registered for for cruises that if we could hang in there till April 30th until they could make a recommendation, I think they're going to be the ones that end up doing the cancellation. And so we'll stand a better chance. And even if they bump it back a year, that may be what we end up having to do. But it affects 10 of us. Yeah. So. 
Oh, I hope the especially it wasn't cheap. I'm sure. Hang on one second. We just got a email. Um, this is from uh, Kathy uh, out of Syracuse, and the question was, um, uh, she wasn't able to listen to the podcast, so I don't know how I'm going to answer a question. Um, <laughs> I guess she'll have to re- listen to the recording. But uh, she did ask, uh, do we know if there's been any res- any loosening of the elective surgery restrictions? I forgot to mention. Um, the issue uh, that we had in Buffalo. So we had a center in Buffalo that is doing uh, retina procedures and um, help me, Jenna, urine, uh, urology. urology retention, basically, right? Uh, retained uh, urine uh, procedures, which I don't think anybody on this uh, um, panel here will disagree is uh, not elective. I mean, it's certainly something that's very urgent. Retina procedures, you can lose your eyesight. Uh, urine um, retention, of course, I believe you could get really seriously ill yeah. yeah um so but they got a, a an a letter uh emailed to them from the department of labor uh from an inspector with the department of labor um asking uh why they were still open asking how uh to, asking them to justify their elective uh that i'm sorry that they were uh, an essential service uh and giving them a series of questions that had to be answered uh, they contacted their labor lawyer to find out what was going on, and the labor lawyer said that's a very hit and miss. So again, we're talking about New York here, uh, but they said that the labor lawyer said that they're finding people getting this letter that sometimes it seems random, sometimes it seems like somebody had complained or had, had issued a complaint to the Department of Labor. They don't know what the situation was here. Um, it was pretty easy to answer that question because uh, <clears throat> clearly the cases that they were performing were very urgent. I can't imagine anybody arguing differently. So they wrote a nice letter back. I looked at it before it went out or after it went out and agreed that uh, that it should uh, uh, take care of the issue. And then they did get a response very quickly afterwards saying, thank you for the information. We'll look at it. So I think uh, the governor in New York did state uh, he's taking this seriously and uh, people that are are doing procedures that are not essential are, are going to be t- uh, held to task. So that's a, that's a bit of a warning there. So if anybody out there Don, is, on the uh, conference Tuesday, didn't somebody say that happened in California also, and that they were, but they had not, they weren't limiting to urgent cases. They that's, were just open That's correct. and they were told to expect a, a CMS unpleasant survey. Right. So they were warned in writing and they, and you're exactly right. They were still they still kept open, and they had been told that they I believe that they had been told that they were being referred to uh, CMS for a uh, a surprise survey. So unfortunately, Kathy, I um, I'll ask everybody on the panel, but I I have not heard about any loosening of the restrictions on um, elective surgery at this point anywhere. Not in New York. I did see an article the other day. I think in some of the West Coast states Far who I West. think are a little bit ahead of us. Yeah. They are starting to look. At, I don't think it's California yet, though, right? It's the I think northern Oregon west coast. Was maybe yeah. near Washington. Washington. I don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, when I was on a uh, a call the other night, uh, they have a date of of May, either May eighteenth or twenty something. I mean, it's not it's not anytime soon. On gonna, the the, yeah. ta- the um, task force meets at six o'clock today to talk about reopening the economy. So it'll be interesting to see if they talk about you talk about, about the president's if they mention because yeah. I know our governor in Florida has specifically mentioned surgery centers, but he hasn't mentioned a date. Yeah, yeah, and um, I I hear that Massachusetts is looking at it, but it, there's nothing definite. 
I did want to remind everybody to visit the ASCPodcast.com website. There is an incredible amount of information up there. There's two links you can go to. The The best link is probably to read through the daily updates that we have on a daily basis. We do send a, a letter to our clients almost daily. It's not daily every, any, uh, uh, every day now, which is simply because we're uh, doing these conferences, um, uh, live conferences. But um, uh, do look there. There's a lot of information. There's uh, resources that you can download. There's uh, references to things on the internet that would be helpful. Uh, that All of the uh, latest uh, emails, daily emails are at the top, and then it goes down sequentially. So the further you go down the list, the less likely it's going to be current information. And then there is a data, there's a resource bank there too, which isn't updated uh, regularly. A lot of that is uh, older stuff that's still relevant, but it just uh, things really haven't changed on that. So uh, for example, in there, you can get uh, templates for uh, how to write up minutes of the governing body meetings where you determine what was an essential service and what was not. You can get examples of forms that you would use to uh, justify procedures that are essential. Help me, Jenna, what other kinds of things? We got tons of information up there. Uh, drills. Um, drills, policies. policies. Um, um, there protocols. were protocols. Yeah, it's kind of re- yeah. irrelevant now. but the uh, The screening might be a little outdated. I'm still... Uh, I, I, struggling with different people are screening very differently. Yeah. Um, some are um, maybe being too cautious in my opinion, whereas um, others, uh, it's hard in, in areas where it's so widespread um, to, you know, you can't really screen for travel right. um, anymore. Yeah. So you're probably more likely to pick it up at the grocery store than if you had been, you know, somewhere over the weekend. Plus mm-hmm. uh, most travel right now is, is yeah, totally restricted. Limited. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to regret bringing this up, uh, uh, but I, I will just mention it. Uh, Jenna and Lori have been following the, um, uh, the testing on site. Um, and one of the things we know that we're probably going to have to do is before we start up again or when we start up again, we're going to have to have some mechanism for testing our patients and our staff to make sure that they I either uh, already have, help me here, nurses, the immunity to the, the coronavirus, antibodies. the antibodies, thank you, uh, or have uh, or are not sick, you know, with the coronavirus, and, and that will require some testing. Yeah, I have quite a few friends who work in hospitals, uh, in, in the surgery departments, um, and they at least around here in Rochester and Buffalo, have started routinely testing um, preoperatively their doing patients. Doing rapid tests, right? Doing the rapid so tests. Um, I think they're doing it like a couple days pre-op. Okay. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit harder for, because the one, the one girl works in Rochester and um, they do some same-day surgery cases and they do some you know, hospital cases. So depending on how urgently they have to do the case, sometimes they can't always do the test. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're, they're routinely testing patients as much as they can before, um, before surgery so that they, they know the status of the patient. So, um, and that also allows you to um, conserve PPE. 
So we have been cons- uh, we've been following this. We've uh, I mean the the standard line here is that in order to be able to do tests like that, you have to to have a um, um, a uh, CLIA waiver to be able to do that specific test. As we understand it, that might be waived. Now, don't quote us yet. We're keeping a very close eye on it. We will push out in so, our daily updates so, the answer to that. Or, well, I'm sorry. Just, yeah, sorry. The, oh, go for it. We're not sure that you need to specifically add it to your CLIA waiver. As long There's as you have one. possibility from reading the FDA website yeah. that, that that is if it's approved for point-of-care testing in the... Um, in other words, uh, if it's approved as uh, a emergency CLIA waiver use test. authorization, it. if it's approved, but the way the way the FDA website reads, if it's approved for point of care testing specifically in the in the emergency use authorization letter, then it automatically is a CLIA waived test. That doesn't require specific authorization on your individual. CLIA well, no, waiver. so that doesn't require like a special laboratory Got to it. do the test. Okay. That it could be done in a facility that has a CLIA waiver. Got it. Okay. It's a little bit unclear whether or not all of those um, under the emergency um, authorization, or not not the emergency authorization, but the under the, like when we're under the emergency order or the emergency declaration, there we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Got it. Um, That you might be able to just do the test prior to get getting off getting it added to your your CLIA waiver specifically. Okay. And one thing we should be warning everybody, be very careful about buying these tests. We had uh, one of our clients went out and bought a bunch of these tests. Turns out that they were I guess they were fake tests or they weren't approved tests. Just a little bit pregnant. Yeah, that's right. So be very careful, you know, make sure whatever you purchase is obviously from a legitimate source. I think that goes kind of without saying. That's been in our newspapers here in Florida too, yeah. that they think they're doing the right thing, but they don't verify where they're coming from right. and they're, they're fake. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the masks. If it's not NIOSH, then it hasn't been tested for the filtration and the efficacy. So right. it's a, it's a catch 22, but if you do decide that you have tests that are that are good and usable and whatnot, it would not hurt you just to send off a letter to wherever you um, had gotten your waiver approved from just to let them know that you're adding that. And point. they'll either get back to you or they won't. And no no news means go forward. Um, yeah. If they don't want you to do it, they'll they'll be apt to, to contact you. And, and the FDA is the best source for checking to see whether or not a company is selling viable tests. Check their EUAs. Good. That's emergency use authorizations. I, I guess we should point out that uh, the, uh, I, I don't think we mentioned this before, but the KN95 masks are not NIOSH approved, correct? Did, far, did we hear that? For the most part, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The N95 is, but the KN95 is not. Okay. Another nail in the coffin of the KN95 mask. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, anybody have any questions? Any questions on the? No. Okay. Oh, not too bad. A little bit after four. Anybody else on the panel have any comments? Okay. I'd like to thank everybody on our panel. And um, let me get to that part. 
that's it for this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gale. Join us again, and please consider becoming a patron. We have a wonderful cadre of patrons who are helping to support the uh, the efforts of this podcast. And to become a patron, go to our website at ASCPodcast.com <laughs> and spread the word about our podcast with your friends and colleagues and really do us the honor of hitting the subscribe button. Uh, our subscribers have tripled in the last four weeks, so clearly uh, you're getting the message out. So continue to tell your friends about us so that everybody knows about the uh, about the work of this podcast. The sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite. Executive producer is John Gailey. Research assistance is provided by Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, Zach Calaritis, Lori Rodericks, and Ann Geyer. Music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah. The SC Podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast <clears throat> channels. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Surgical Information Systems, Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions, BHG Patient Lending, and Medicus IT. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website. If you're interested in, in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.